Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Matt Bowen. Two throws. This one aired out for Galloway. And with contact, it's picked off. Intercepted by Matt Bowen. NFL writer and analyst for ESPN. The ball came out. Right now, they're calling fumble. Matt Bowen knocked it out. Seven-year NFL veteran. Matt, thanks as always. Have a happy new year. I won't be in next week. So best wishes for 2025. Four. 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 Come on, Dan. Four. He's the guy we were talking about. Week 18 of the NFL. And I've seen one five games. Defensive back coach for IC Catholic football. One of the greatest things and most rewarding things about being a high school coach is to see the impact it can have on your student-athletes. Matt Bowen with Bernstein and Holmes on six. 70 the score. Let Matt Bowen talk. Shut up. Matt Bowen is here to talk football with us and you on the score hotline. That's presented by Circa Sports Illinois. You follow him on Twitter at Matt Bowen 41. NFL writer, analyst for ESPN is with us. And Lawrence has questions. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Lawrence. How are you? I'm doing all right. I have a whole bunch of, like, offensive, like, coaching questions for you. Okay. So the Bears are looking for a new offensive coordinator. Yes. What type of coordinator do you think they should be looking for, and does that change depending on if the Bears keep the number one pick or if they roll with Justin? I think that's the answer right there. You don't know yet. You have to make a decision on the quarterback position first. I think it was kind of very telling – um, you know, in the press conference yesterday when they didn't really make uh, an announcement on the quarterback position yet. So that tells you a couple of things. One, they're going to go through a long process of evaluation with Justin Fields and his tape from this year and even his tape from last year to see where he's at in terms of his developmental path, but also getting onto the college tape, talking to the scouts. What they can do if they stay at number one uh, with one of the top young quarterbacks. But to answer your question, Morris, you have to design your offense around the quarterback. It has to be position-based, player-based, and especially at that position, it has to be right. Because we saw too many times this year, and I've told you before, there's a lot of times this year I thought Luke Gensley called a really good game. There's too many times he did not, and they didn't have offensive production in terms of an, uh, you know, really the rate they wanted to. So it has to come down to who your quarterback is, how you're going to build the offense around him. Because you look at the teams playing this weekend, that's what they have. Look at all the teams playing this weekend, what they could do in the pass game, how they create production out of that quarterback position. They have that, and the Bears do not yet. They have to make those decisions. How would you value, or I guess, how, how would you strip out, this was a Justin problem, this was a scheme 
problem. Like if you're Eberflus in polls and you're you're looking, you're saying, look, we don't want Getsy here. But if mm-hmm. you're still trying to evaluate fields, how would you start to go about the process of saying, yeah, our quarterback had to overcome the OC versus our quarterback might not be that good? You have to look at both sides. You have to look at specific situations, in my opinion. What he does on third downs, how you scheme for him on third downs, how you scheme for him in the red zone, which we talked about a lot this past season. What you do for him in a two-minute drill situation, to get him comfortable and to get him in the concepts that he really likes and he wants to throw. Opening up the middle of the field for him. Did you do that enough this year? Because you start to look at where times that Justin Fields struggled this year. Those are the exact situations I would focus on. Was it the quarterback or was it an offensive coordinator who didn't put him in the best position? When you do it that way, I think it's easier to come to an answer, right? If you just look at a broad scope, it's not enough. You have to focus on specific situations that are tailored or not tailored to the player you have at the quarterback position. I think the most important thing that you can do is listen to what Justin Fields told you week four. Sure. And, and go back to some of that stuff. And when he said the word coaching, you know, what specifically? You know, so – my thought is, regardless, bringing back fields and or starting with Caleb Williams, reading some of the scouting reports, and I can't say I've done a deep dive, but right. some of Caleb Williams's issues aren't dissimilar from fields. The idea of maybe holding the ball a little too mm-hmm. long, relying on your escapability rather than feel in the pocket. I mean, we know how brilliant Williams can be. But sometimes saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to just, I, I might be a little late on this read, but my arm strength is good enough that I can fit it into a smaller window. So it could just work out that your coordinator with these strengths to teach and, and, and fine tune, they work for either one of them. I would agree with that in a sense, Dan. There's times, and I'm, I'm with you too, I haven't studied enough tape on Caleb Williams. I've studied some um, that he's going to have to really adjust to professional football. There's a lot of things you can get away with at the college level when you are an elite talent, which he is. That's why he's projected to be the number one pick in the draft, is you can hold the ball. You can play outside of structure voluntarily, right, because you have the tools to do that. You have the arm talent. You have the movement ability. Um, You can create plays off a second reaction consistently at the college level, especially the competition he played in that conference. So there is going to be – a rather large growing curve for him once he gets into the National Football League and his National Football League defenses and what's expected of you at the position because you have to play with repetitive mechanics in the NFL to win. You have to throw from the pocket in the NFL to win. You have to do the necessary things that we see with all these playoff quarterbacks right now, and that's why they're there. So to your point, then, yes, there is going to be some crossover there as you're going to have to scheme for him, right? You have to scheme for Caleb Williams to keep him on schedule, to keep him on rhythm to open up the field for him so we can see it faster and throw it faster. So like you were saying, that does make sense there, Dan, because you do have some of the same deficiencies with Justin Fields that you have to overcome and have to scheme for him as well. Why do you think Ryan Poles kept Matt Eberflus as his head coach? Well, I think we talked about it last week a little bit, Lawrence. Um, You know, Dan was on vacation and all that, but uh, when you were there last week working, we talked about how um, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Bite me, Bowen. <laughs> no, but we talk, I think the, the sense we had last week, Lawrence, and kind of the focus of that discussion was 
is your team improving? Do you see gradual growth with your football team? I think you saw that with the Chicago Bears this year. Was it enough? No. Because in this, this league, you either make the playoffs or you don't. There's no in between, in my opinion. And once you get into the playoffs, you have to win on top of that. But this team did not make the playoffs. They were not good enough. Um, but you did see gradual growth moving forward. But I also think it's, it's the Chicago Bears franchise. And that's where we're at. The Bears had an opportunity um, right after the season end to swing for the fence. They did. You have the number one pick. You have an opportunity with the names that are out there right now with coaching. And then two that just come to mind immediately are Mike Vrabel is out there, who's a heck of a football coach. And there's an opportunity that Jim Harbaugh could leave the University of Michigan. If you wanted to swing for a home run, that's that's the swing you, you take right there. They did not do that. And I did not expect them to. I was not surprised at all yesterday when they said they were going to keep Matt Eberflus. Um, that meshes with how this organization is run and what they want to do and how they do not want to create waves. And that's why I think Matt Eberflus is back on top of what he did, because you did see this team football team get better, especially on the defensive side of the ball and their ability to take, take the football away late in the season and just the overall play speed on tape with that defense. But simply put, it still wasn't good enough. We've been having like a larger discussion, the hour show, the afternoon show, the morning show. We've all been talking about like how to go about finding an, an, a head coach. Mm-hmm. Where I get stuck, because I, I understand and, and probably even maybe even more so agree with the idea of hiring an offensive coach. But there's something in me, and I don't know if it has to do with football itself. I think the head coaching job is that. I think it's being the head coach. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, and I don't think that every smart offensive coordinator is necessarily qualified to be the head coach of a team. Now, maybe I'm overthinking it, but you were in locker rooms for a long time. How do you see the difference between what a head coach is and what an innovative, smart, offensive guy is? I think there's uh, a major difference there. It's one thing to call cool plays, okay? I've always said this. A lot of people can call cool plays and scheme stuff and be on a chalkboard and and be a step ahead from an offensive perspective. Uh, We see it all the time in the NFL. I saw it all the time as a player. It's another thing to be a leader of men, okay? And that's really what you're looking for, especially at the pro level as someone that can lead, someone that can motivate, someone that can handle adversity, because you're going to have a lot of adversity during an NFL season, a ton of adversity. It is not easy to win in that league. Those seasons are very fragile. And I think you need an ultimate leader. So where you get to the point, Lawrence, that person is the most important man in the building. No question. It is not the general manager. It's not ownership. It is not the play caller on either side of the ball. It is the head coach that he is the most important person in that building day in and day out. And that, to me, is a head coach in the National Football League. And it has nothing to do with calling plays. It has to come – it has more to do with leadership and being able to set the bar every single day of what you're going to be as a franchise. So how does how, – in, in your mind, how does that – how do you develop a head coach? Like, how does one prove himself to be a head coach and not just – a really smart DC or really creative OC. What are the things that you think are significant when we're talking about that position and and how one can evolve into being that from being a coordinator or a position coach? We have to thank Lawrence that all of them started as position coaches, right? Some of them started as grad assistants in college. 
you're going to start at the bottom, right? So what what allows that person, Lawrence, to move up? Right? What allows them to move up? It can't just be, you can't just be a coach. You have to be more than a coach, in my opinion. You have to be someone that is demands respect, demands accountability, can motivate, can teach, okay? Can teach consistently, uh, can develop players, can develop people too. That's another part of coaching. And that allows you to move up. It's not just having, you know, the playbook that everyone wants to look at. That's not enough for me. And this is just me talking. This is my opinion. It has to be more than the playbook. You have to be someone that when I come in as a player, that I want to be in that meeting no matter what, that I want to impress you every day, that I'm going to give you everything I got because I want you to notice me every single day because I believe in you that much. I trust in you that much. There's something that you do that gets the best out of me every single day. And to me, that's coaching, that's teaching, and that's how you move up the ladder more so than having the playbook. What does it say to you that the Bears retained Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, and Mm -hmm. retained the tight ends coach? Because I find it a little strange that you're going to go hire an offensive coordinator but tell him that he can't bring in two two critical position coaches – one in the offensive line that may be the most important single position coach underneath a coordinator. Yeah, that's a tough spot. Because um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, Dan, if, if I was applying for the job and I was the offensive coordinator, I'm going to bring in guys that I trust, guys that I've worked with, guys that have the same philosophy as me as how to play offensive football and what's what matters in offensive football and especially in today's National Football League. So I'd want the people I trust with me the most. So now you come in. And the head coach in the organization is telling you, well, you can, but not really. We're going to give you an online coach. We're going to give you a tight end coach. This is how it's going to be. And I think that's going to limit the Bears a little bit in terms of their search. But, you know, to answer your question, Dan, the organization must believe that the offensive line play this year uh, saw gradual growth and development. They must believe that what they're getting from their tight end position in terms of the growth of their tight ends and what they're doing both in the run and the pass game is enough to retain them. But again, from my perspective, if I'm coming in and I'm looking to take this job, I'm going to have some questions about why I can't bring the guys in that I've worked with before. What did you take away from yesterday? Like, what was important to you from what you heard from up at Hallis? The, I think the major thing I took away from yesterday was Dan Bernstein on 670. So I, li- <laughs> I listened to the show yesterday and Dan was fired up. I mean, I, I mean, I know Dan gets fired up, but Dan was really fired up yesterday. That was really good radio. It was, it was a good conversation, especially when you guys had a transition to the afternoon show. I thought that was great radio. So that was my major takeaway from yesterday, but from Chicago Bears perspective is, uh, you know, I, I, it, I'll say this, Lawrence, it didn't really surprise me. Okay, because we had the report was out a couple weeks ago that Flus was going to be back. So when they made the announcement, I was just, you know, kind of a shoulder shrug. Like, well, this was kind of of expected. Um, You know, I sat there and I'm like, well, you know, should I put something out on social media? You don't even know what to put out. It's just it was kind of status quo to me. I guess that's the best way to say it. Status quo. And this is kind of what you expect at this point from this franchise. And I don't know if that makes them better. I don't know if that makes them worse. But now you have to immediately flip to the most important position in pro sports, which is the quarterback position. And what is going to be the decision made there? Because we talked about they didn't swing for the fences with the head coaching search and retaining Coach Eberflus. 
Are they going to swing for the fences on the quarterback? Are they going to go all in on a player like Caleb Williams? I'm very interested to see what the decision-making process is and why they made that decision. And if they do go all in on Caleb Williams, what happens to Justin Fields? You know, where do you move him? What can you get in terms of a trade to help build that roster even more? Because this is a great opportunity for Chicago still. They can keep Justin Fields and move that number one pick and really solidify that roster on both sides of the football. Or they go all in. Is there a name out there? Did we lose Matt? I don't know. Are you still I there, Matt? I felt like he was in the middle of saying something. Yeah, I think we lost it. I think the Cylons got him. Cylons got him. Well, they got Florio yesterday. Yeah. And they predicted it. It was so weird yesterday. What, the Cylons? Yeah, Ray said something after they put Florio up. Ray that said, was a poorly timed, uh, like, automatic computer update, and I no. couldn't get ah, out of it ah, yesterday. Ray, no, you're supposed to tell them we're psychic. Come on. You said we're about to ruin the illusion. That was that was such a weird moment because you I'm said there, you said we're going to lose Florio in a second, and like we you, were like looking like, at each other I, like, "Wait, what?" No, my thought was Cylon double agent. No, I was like, trying to oh, figure out if yeah. I could get out of it. Like, no, I was trying like, to figure out how to. No, like, no, can no, I, can no, I, no, I, no, 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 secret Cylon Ray that you're actually working for for them. Why did Dan just sound like Cat Williams there for a second? <laughs> so, oh, Matt's what back. Guys Matt's back. Matt. <laughs> Are there is there a name in the offensive coordinator search, or for frankly anybody on the offense that you want to make sure the Bears at least have in the building for an interview? Shane Waldron is interesting to me. Um, was you know the coordinator out in Seattle, um, worked under Sean McVay in Los Angeles. I just look at that offensive system right now and what Sean McVay does, and I know there's aspects of that offensive system there was with Lou Getzey, but in terms of the motion, the movement, the reduced formations how they create running lanes at the second level, um, what they do in terms of their pass game at all three levels of the football field. I think it's, a, it's one of the top offensive systems in the National Football League. And you look at what the Rams did this year. I know it's different personnel, different coaching, but the same type of system. And just really how they're a consistent threat to defenses and how they create conflict at all three levels of the field, both run and pass game. I think it's an excellent system. So that's the first name. And there's going to be a lot more names coming up. But that's the first name that kind of jumped out to me after what Seattle did yesterday. And, and really a wild day of coaching yesterday. Yeah. Uh, really a wild day, especially when you have Nick Saban retiring as well. So um, Shane Waldron is a name that I would at least have in the building to, to talk to. Matt, thanks for joining us, sir. All right, guys. Thank you. That's Matt Bowen. Next week we can talk to him about, like, the playoffs. Sure. There, Dan, there's so much meat on the bone for Every other sports story that isn't the Bears, like Belichick, Saban, Carroll, what's wrong with the Eagles? Like, th- there's a lot. Oh, we had a bad Patricia. That's what's wrong. We well, a, but probably not just that. I mean, the, the, there's all sorts of, of Zach Levine. I was just gonna say Zach played well last night, and I'm so god darn it. He was also doing stuff that my podcast partner said, here's how I would deploy Zach ideally, and I would put him here in this set, and I would put him here in this set, and they did it. And every time they did it, he was throwing stuff at me. I feel like Jason and I should do a whole pod about how we tell you stuff, and then you're like, eh, eh, eh. and then it happens. You're like, oh, <laughs> See how that works? <laughs> oh, I got him yesterday, though. I got him because we he was asking about all these names about potential offensive coordinators, and I mentioned the name Clint Kubiak. And, and so we're talking about him. He's like, okay, well, yeah, because, because that's Gary Kubiak's son, right? 
And I said, yeah, and you really have to make sure when you see that that you take that with a grain of salt because there's a lot of guys who are privileged and over-promoted simply because of the doors that get open for them because of their last name. And, yeah, they may take advantage of it and may do the work, but, you know, that's always like you got, you, you're never sure. Same goes for that Bobby Slowick. And he's like, he's nodding along. He's like, yeah. I tell, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm trolling you, you realize. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hit him with the Kyle Shanahan <laughs> while you were at it, that's too? Right. I'm like, like, you really you, – you, you, you hit him over the head with right, Sean McVay right, like, while you're at right, it? Like, you always have to pause when someone's got the same last name as a dad that sort of cleared the way for them to get started in the business. Texter, 100 points for you. Episode one, Dan takes Rando's advice on shoes. <laughs> You are 100 points to you, sir or madam. That is correct. Yep. Are we going to take calls? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do the thing. There it is. The thing has been done. We decided there's a lot of pent-up feelings. Let them out. 312. What is it? 312. 644-644-6767. And you know what? It it says it on the phone right in front of your face, too. Oh, All yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. There's literally phone. 10 lines that say the number <laughs> for each line. <laughs> okay, phone. Undo the phone. Do you need another vacation? Sure. 312 644 6767. We'll take some calls. Why not? It's the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So, let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Of Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Our culture is awesome. Yeah, culture is awesome, except when you gotta fire your assistant coaches for acting all creepy, and then you gotta fire half of the offensive staff. That's all right, though. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. The phone lines have been opened, and there are blinking green lights, which means green means go in my world. So we're going to go okay. to the phone lines on the Bernstein and Holmes show and start with Robert in Naperville. 
Hello, Robert. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks again for taking my call this week. Hey, Robert, are you uh, by the Top Golf? <laughs> I I really I actually am. I'm right off 59, right out of the 88 corridor over by there. <laughs> I love I that you got am. the bit. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I. So with regard to this this whole week, um, I think we might be downplaying how pivotal those exit interviews may have played a role in this outcome. Um, I'm almost certain Flus made out like a bandit. The players do seem to like him. I really do believe that dorky dad, powdered toast, Terrence Howard antics and all. Um, and I'm almost certain that Getsy got dragged. And we know polls values character after all. And when none of your players are celebrating the player execution guys, home runs, so to speak, mm-hmm. it's job gone, my guy. You know. And now look, I'm a little bit more with Lawrence here than I am with you, Dan. Not thrilled at all that, that Eberflus is back at all. But I'm cautiously optimistic that the right hires can be made this time around with heavy influence from polls, by the way. And maybe, maybe Flus can finally be redeemed as a CEO style head coach. He said he wanted to be in, you know, the first place. And the the last thing, and this is where the cautious part of that cautious optimism comes into play. In In the back of my mind, I realized that the way they are going about this is not typically the way NFL dynasties are birthed in the modern era. Now, not saying it's impossible, just underlining again how important these next few hires really are going to be for this team. Thanks, guys. Look at that. Like, we start off with, like, a great call. That's good. Our our call ratio has been excellent lately. I think something might have changed in the ether out there. I don't know what it is. Okay. In Cedar Yeah, Rapids. strangely enough, the calls got better and you got worse. <laughs> right. Oh, maybe, maybe there's, like, a law of conservation of intelligence. That, that, that that's the irony. That's like the O. Henry ending of it. It, le- it leaves me just a complete gibbering meatball putting jardinera on my shoes. <laughs> Al and Cedar Rapids, you're on the score. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, how about David Shaw, the retired Stanford coach uh, who was Harbaugh's right-hand man as the associate head coach? and bring the passing coordinator from Miami, who is a Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator, to Chicago as a two-headed offensive uh, machine, if you will, uh, to give uh, Flusi all the cover he needs on the offensive side. And that way the offensive coordinator can pay attention to the offensive line as well as the receivers and the tight end and the running backs and not just a quarterback-sensitive guy. You know what's interesting about David Shaw? I appreciate you bringing him up. But I've always wondered if he made some terrible decisions. And like I think that he he has been very like measured in, oh, well, there'll be the next coaching cycle. You know, then I'll leave for the NFL. But maybe then, he just didn't time it right. And and now like he's not even coaching. Like he 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 walked out of Stanford and he's just kind of there. I wonder if he missed his window. Because he, you're right. Like that was a guy that People weren't just talking about him as being like an offensive coordinator. People were saying, yeah, that guy projects to NFL head coach. You know how old he is? 50, isn't he? He's only 51? Yeah. I had no idea he was that young. Well, that was kind of the thing that he was a bit of a wonderkind. Like that there was a little bit of that. It was like, you know what it's like? It's similar to like Shaka Smart, where everyone's like, this guy. 
And Shaka Smart was like, oh, I'm going to stick around. And then Shaka Smart was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to stick around. I am going to take that Texas job. And it ended up being a nightmare. And now he's got the great job at Marquette. David great Shaw team. David Shaw is, is similar to me. He just stayed. He's like, nope, everything's fine. The NFL will be there when I'm done with Stanford. Yeah, I, he's been so out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. and he's not coaching at all. He's, he's probably consulting somewhere, right? Well, we can throw him into the he – can, he can be one of the vice presidents at Belichick, Saban, and Carroll. There you go. The consulting firm will make all the money. It'll print it. Humboldt Park, here's Theodore on the score. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I had a couple questions for you all. Uh, first, Ibrahim spoke of like how close him and uh, Poles gotten over the last couple of years. Uh, my first question is: Do you think that inhibits Poles' ability to be objective about uh, about the head coach and maybe firing? Was but so, looks to be like his friend, and um, and secondly. Getsy, do you think that it was possible that after the 0-4 start, he went into straight CYA mode and was determined to do his office, offense with whoever uh, and prove to the world and to maybe his next employer that he isn't trash? I think those are two really well-asked questions. Yep. And I think in answer to the first one, that's always something managers have to overcome and have to weigh and understand their personal biases. But it's complicated in that case, even in the hire. That because they, of their re- connection. Correct. They were represented by the same agent. So there's a, a more powerful professional connection than just a personal one. And, and to, to globalize this a little bit, part of the reason, and maybe, you know, I hope nothing's wrong with Nick Saban, but... Part of the reason that he offered up that that may lend to a a window into why he retired, you know how bad the center was in the national semifinal? Saban said that he should have replaced him, but he has such an affinity for the guy that awful. he didn't. And that might have been the, ooh, time for me to go. Because remember... He's like, if, if I couldn't do that, if I couldn't make that proper coaching decision in the moment, I can't do this anymore. So, so But remember wow. what happened four years ago. Four years ago, wow. that dude sat Jalen for Tua. And Tua comes in and wins a national championship. Like, he sat the guy that won the SEC championship. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't hear him say that about the center. He He talked about it last week, and I just wonder if he's like, well, you know what? That's it. Like, I may have cost us an opportunity because I wasn't harsh enough. That's fascinating. That that that's really interesting to think that he he you know they hear these stories about a, a surgeon that makes a mistake or a pilot that makes a mistake and understands I can't do this anymore. Yep. Wow. Huh. And as, as to the second question, I think there might have been some of that. But the that was evinced from Getze more in his politicking behind the scenes and his use of information and his cultivation of friendships. Stuff that we heard on broadcast that seemed out of sorts and like what? Like, come on. Dave in Brookfield, you're on the score. 
Say, I think the guy on trial here is Kevin Warren. And I like Matt Eberflus, but to not see the talent that's out there available in the NFL, if he's not working behind the scenes to bring us in a, a top head coach, then, then he's not worth it. He's not the guy changing the culture. He's not the guy setting the bar higher. He's just the guy looking for a stadium. And if that's the case, then he just needs to do that and, and shut up and, and let Ryan Pauls run the organization. But I think that's what he's doing. Not the shutting up part. That is not what he's doing. But I do think that he's allowing Ryan Poles to run the football operation. And I I appreciate that. Like, if, if everyone's a believer in Poles and you wanted the football man, football man is here now. Let football man do his thing, I think. Maybe. In the loop, here's Bo on the score. What's up, Bo? What does hey, Bo what's know? Up? What's up, guys? Uh, first time calling. Love the show. Thank you. Hey, uh, real quick, I just want to make a few points. Uh, first of all, to uh, polls with the exit interviews, I think he is taking more intake of the players, and that's why Flus came back. Because at the beginning of the year, the first nine games, I was about firing Flus the way the team was. They were letting over 27 points a game. The defense was looking terrible, couldn't stop a nosebleed. And then the last nine games, they were only averaging 17.2 points a game. And then they kept field and the offense in games which helped them have chances to win where we should have actually closed out the season with a, probably a wild-card spot if we would have not blown the Lions and the Browns game and the Denver game. Uh, my second thing I want to say is uh, I think we should trade back the, the number one pick. Uh, only reason I say that is because I get the reset of the QB contract. Well, what about the other position contracts? So, like, you'll be getting – if you get Marvin Harrison at the three pick or the two pick, then you reset the position clock on the wide receiver and other players that you'll get in the draft, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of just the QB position. And then if you do trade back, I, my thing is I would try to trade back with Washington to get the Jonathan Allen defensive tackle so we can actually close up that nose tackle position where we don't have to worry about You got about your nose Aaron tackle. Jones. No, they signed Billings. Billings, Billings is your nose. To me, to me, is this Jonathan Allen, he's just such a beast from Washington. I think that would – totally demolish the Green Bay run attack, and then we could get pressure on Jordan Love. And I know I'm just talking about Green Bay, but to <laughs> me, when we haven't beat them in 10 games, it really drives me crazy, and I can't stand those cheeseheads. <laughs> so that's just me with that. So I just wanted to get your guys' intake on that, on what you guys think about that trade or trading down and keeping Fields, because I do think Fields gets uh, not – fairly treated by as you can see the refs for not throwing flags is he didn't get one roughing the passer or uh, when he slides all year they didn't give one flag to him and then when they show his record that record is really unfair if you look at it we got rid of Khalil Mack Hakeem Hicks uh, Goldman retired then we get traded well, they, well, they tanked. Our defense, yeah, they, they lost on purpose our, our defense was terrible so if you look at the defenses that have given up to over 27 points a game look at all the stats of uh Josh Allen, he's four and eleven in those type of games. Burrow's two and eight. I'm not trying to compare, but it's if the defense isn't keeping you in the game, it doesn't matter if you score forty points a game if you're allowing forty five points a game. So I think the defense is huge. To me, trade back the pick. This call has gone Marvin on for Harrison. a really yeah, yeah, long this, time. Yeah, there's just been. Uh, thank you, Bo. Appreciate it. We got more calls to take. We're going to because at one o'clock, Jason Leisure is going to join us, and then we'll shift gears a little bit and preview tomorrow night's Bulls Ring of Honor inaugural ceremony with former Bulls assistant Jim Clemens. That's all coming up in the next hour. But more from you 
next on The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. We have flexibility with our cap space. We have a really unique draft situation that's going to allow us to continue to get better. Uh, and like I said, most importantly, the continuity part is going to be critical because when you bring all those things together, we're just going to keep climbing. It's always what it is with the Bears. We're just going to keep climbing. Other teams are in the playoffs. Bears are always, they just keep, they get back to work and they fix things and then they fire people and they hire people and they have quarterbacks and they, they'll hire people and fire people and there will be other quarterbacks and that's what they do. And they keep trying to fix things. Okay. It kind of sucks, but that's where we are. And we're taking your phone calls to find out how you feel about it. So far, it's been really good for the most part. Keith and Shorewood is next on the score. Hi, guys. I, I, I texted in earlier so they, they can call in, but I just want to mention this, these parts. Um, one, the, I think it was the second caller on this segment mentioned a Fluce as a, um, you know, running the whole organization. I, I, I don't understand how that is even possible at this point. He hired two people as the, um, that were fired. His offensive coordinator failed along with the rest of the staff. And, yes, I'll give him credit for what he did on the defensive side of the ball. That's how the Bears actually improved. But, in Lawrence, you had mentioned, I, I put this in my text, you had mentioned how, you know, the, um, the actual strength of schedule wasn't a real thing because of how they play inside side the, the central and how the rest of the rec, uh, record falls. But, in, in theory, they played teams that were losing teams. So, they should beat those teams if they're middle attack, which is what they are. And I don't see why this decision with Flus because he he was able to go past two firings that he created by his own hiring practices. So how is it that he remains in his position when all he's done is become a better defensive coordinator, which is what he is? So that was my general point of the of the text I sent earlier. Fair question. You guys have a great day. Thanks, you too, Keith. Fair question. I think about the firings is funny because that was one of the things where Kevin Warren was like, well, let me put on my lawyer hat for a second during his press conference. We do wish him well. Yeah. But uh-huh. but, it, but it let you know, like, in, instead of it being just kind of rumored about, it kind of let you know well, what had gone down. I think there. he needs an actual lawyer hat. I think if you're going to do that, Ooh. you have to pull that out, and it should be... Uh, Barrister. It says that on it, or or like who's the the guy in the Indiana billboards like near Gary? The or Hammer. He's, he's like, well, you always. I win think it's with Keith me. Allen Lawn. He has a really good voice. Oh, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, he's got hat, a, and he's got a pinky voice. ring. And yeah, everything. he's got a lawyer. I dress hat like a gangster, a, and I'll represent you on. Right, I believe he's out of Valpo. He's a lawyer hat guy, or or it could be something different. It could be something. I was more, thinking like a fedora like that says lawyer instead of press. Or something more flamboyant with a bunch of like pink feathers coming out of it. It just happens to be his I'd rather have hat. him uh, go with the whole bit and tef- dress like Tommy DeVito's agent. Keep that little law. That works. 
What is his name? Vince Stellato? Sean Stellato? Sean Stellato. And he was right. Adam tried to get that money. Bloomington, you're on the score. Welcome. Hi, Adam. Hey, guys. Uh, I feel like I just put myself in a glass case of emotion this season watching Fields in the offense and, you know, watching him hold on to the ball so long and then all of a sudden make a dime throw. And it was just kind of like, yay, and then no. And now, like, watching the Packers game, all I could do is just throw my hands up and say, okay, like, that's it, right? We're going to see Caleb Williams in a Bears uniform next year. And then I just went down that rabbit hole of like, okay, well, what does he look like? What's the Pac-12 defense? You know, the defense is he going up against look like? But he holds onto the ball just as much, if not longer, than Justin Fields does. And then one thing that I don't think too many people are talking about, over the past 25, I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, right? So over the past 25 years, I can name maybe two winners that I'd probably shape a franchise around, and that's Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. I I appreciate you you doing the work, and there needs to be more work. I wait, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he won a Heisman what, Trophy. What, He's the youngest Heisman. That's Trophy right. He winner. did win it as a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Well, the Heisman's a different issue. And I had it's funny because a texter was like, "What do you mean, Bercy? You haven't done your homework on Caleb? You're a Heisman voter. You got to understand the Heisman Trophy, and they're very specific about this." It is only about your collegiate performance. Yes. Only, 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 only. You're not grading prospects. You're, like, you're not looking at their NFL future. It is only how you perform as a collegian. I'll put, I, I, I'll put I voted it, for Tim Tebow. I'll put it this way. I would have totally wanted Michael Penix Jr. to be a finalist for the Heisman. I do not want Michael Penix Jr., being a starting quarterback of my franchise. No, and 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 I was listening to the deba- debate about do we vote for the Heisman too early? Maybe we do. Maybe we should see the especially now with twelve team playoffs. Yeah, with the playoffs, I I think that it's a a more, I think that that it's a more pressing issue. So I I before that moving back, but don't they want to have it like well you got your last day of college football before the Bulls. Here's Army Navy. Here's the Heisman Trophy, and now here here is they can fill the time with other content. I think Pop Tarts Bowl. But if it if it makes you feel any better, the Heisman Trophy doesn't mean anything to evaluators. To these guys who are paid to pick these guys apart, they don't care. They're watching the tape. They know the history. If, they believe me. Don't worry. It, don't uh, no intelligent, objective scout or executive so well won the Heisman I mean the PR once they draft a guy like when the Bears drafted Rashawn Salam of course the PR people are Heisman Trophy would because it sounds great but it 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 does not influence nobody's going to be overrated on a draft board because of a Heisman I think you're right I think that used to be the case I think we're well past that yep so it wouldn't be a huge concern of mine uh Tim is uh, out on the road and on the score Hey guys, I think the disappointment this 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 year's press conference really stems from uh, the Joker being Kevin Warren. You know, we we were we've all been conditioned to be disappointed with the Bears press conference every time this happens of firing and hiring and firing, as Dan mentioned. But the Joker this year being Kevin Warren and his often mentioned championships kind of led us to believe a surprise was coming or something different, and then they did the same thing they do every year. The Bears going to Bears, as Dan tweeted. And that's my point. Thank you. Thank you. And even like off the record and off the air, when I was asking about Kevin Warren, people were saying something. Hey, man, he doesn't miss a beat. He is on it. 
He's a great listener. He really cares. That doesn't he's, make him football man. Yeah, and and, it, and all and everybody's just like, and I said, really, 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 and yeah, yeah. He's 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 so detail oriented. He wants to know everything. He's always asking, you know, the kind of thing. What what do you need? What can we do? So, I I, I don't know how that's going to translate to winning, especially after yesterday. That I hundred percent that, that I, I I agree with that point. That it was. You thought maybe the Bears wouldn't be the Bears, and they were the Bears as much as the Bears have ever been. So be it. Onward. To Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times. He was up there peppering all of the powers that be with questions, speaking truth to power. And he'll talk to us next on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.